Okay, hey, uh, and this is perfect because we're talking about civility and incivility. It is incivility to beat up a security guard because you got a can of spam that you've been stealing. What you need to do is, uh, is not steal, not be rude, not be disrespectful. So we want to talk a little bit about the cycle to civility. Now, I hope you've got your hand out here. We're going to go through it pretty quick. Uh, it is based off of a book called Mastering Civility, a Manifesto for the Workplace. And uh, the Christine Parath is the one who is the author of this. Now, what I want you to see is that last month we talked about civility, bringing civility back. Now, here's the definition. Just to, it doesn't, it's not on your handout, but just to get us back up to, up to speed. Civility, positive gestures of respect, dignity, courtesy, and kindness that lift people up. Now, think about that. You've got to put your head on what we're going to be talking about. Uh, respect, dignity, courtesy, kindness that lifts people up. That is civility. But what is incivility? Incivility is behavior that others perceive as rude or disrespectful, and it holds people down. And so we talk about this, and we say, yes, I think that we need to be a more civilized or, or civil um, uh, organization or business. But how do we get there? I mean, there may be some incivility going on in your business. How do I ever build that culture? Well, the writer of this book has come up with four things. It's a cycle that uh, four things in the life of, an, of your organization, life of employees, that you can do so that you can have a civil culture within your organization. And here they are. And there are four things. Number one is this, recruit, recruit. By recruiting well, you prevent the incivility bug from contaminating your organization. It starts all by who you recruit and who you get to work for you. Now, uh, how many people here have ever heard of John Wooden, the basketball coach from UCLA? Raise your hand, raise them high. Oh, yeah. Okay, John Wooden, one of the greatest uh, basketball coaches ever, great guy on leadership. Um, he tells the story of how he went into a, a, a recruit's home, and as he sat down with the recruit, the mother, who was the sweetest could be, asked a question. And when she asked the question of the coach, the son cut her off and said, Mother, shut up. That is such an ignorant question for you to ask. Just let the coach talk. John Wooden said he heard that. He said, I politely wrapped up the conversation in a few moments and left this guy go. He said, excellent ball player, ended up signing somewhere else, did an excellent job. He said, but there's no way I could have him on my team. And this is a quote that he made. See if we got, is that a quote ready, David? He says, I was delighted that I had discovered something so important before it was too late, before allowing him to contaminate our team with his values. Now, I want you to, to focus on that for just a moment. Because what you will see and what the research has shown is that you can, have a, you, can, you can have a team of great stars and all it takes is one person to come in and it's like an incivility bug, a virus, and it can contaminate the entire team. And so as a coach, he said, I'm glad I discovered this and as I'm just walking away from it because I don't want him to contaminate our team with his values. And so more and more research has come out that all the positive impact of all these wonderful people you have, all it takes are one or two to come in and it can begin to change that whole culture. So what you do when you recruit them, when you interview potential uh, candidates, this is what you do. Number one, you ask questions on how they handled situations that were in line with your values. Ask questions on how they handled situations that were in line with your values. 
So when you talk to someone, you're interviewing them to come and work, explain, hey, this is who we are. These are our values. Now, what I'd like to know is keeping these values in mind, give me some examples of situations that you've been in that you have adhered to those values. And don't just do one. When they share one, then come back and say, can you give me another one? And then maybe even another one on there. Ask them to do that. Number two is this, and I love this. Observe behavior during the interview and while on campus. Observe behavior. You know, you can, you can learn a lot by just watching a person while you're talking to them. You know, they make an eye contact with you. They look very nervous when you're talking about some of these things. He says, but after the interview process, follow up with every employee in your organization who encountered the candidate during his or her visit, not just those who are on the schedule. How did the candidate treat your parking lot attendant? How did they treat your receptionist, your administrative assistant? Is the candidate kind, gracious, respectful, or are they rude and condescending? Most HR professionals believe that some of the best feedback they receive regarding prospective employees is from the person who drove the candidate from the airport and the receptionist who greeted them. Now, so when you interview anyone, after you've done the interview, you need to come back and talk. The one that was with them in the car, tell me your reaction. What about the receptionist? The first person that you met, what did you think about this individual? You learn a lot about it. Observe their behavior. I've told the story, it was years ago or so, uh, when I was in New York City, and uh, we were looking to partner with church planters, and each church planter got up and got to give their story, and I was just praying that God would match me up with one, and the night before, I'd seen some couple, and I was all impressed and said, I think that's the one I'm going to go with, and I sat kind of in the back of the room. I was like two step, two uh, rows back, and he sat right there uh, with his wife, and while every planter saw their story, I saw him sitting on his phone reading all his Twitter accounts and Facebook and all that stuff, not paying any attention to what the others were talking about. I wrote him off. I said, I don't want somebody like that. And so I observed, and I said, no, those values aren't going to fit with what we've got, so we're not going to support them. So observe behaviors. But number the C, letter C is this, do your homework with references. Do your homework with references. When you call references, uh, tell them, this is the values that we have. This is what our company's about. Do you think this person will fit in? Listen to their words, listen to their demeanor, and see if this is a, a fit. You say, well, Danny, that's a lot of hard work. Well, this is what Jeff uh, Bezos says, the CEO from uh, Amazon. He says, I'd rather interview 50 people and not hire anyone than hire the wrong person. I'd rather just keep, keep interviewing, keep interviewing, and not hire the wrong person. So first thing is recruiting. Number two is coach. Coach. You got to coach them up. And in order to, to coach them, this is what you do. Number one, you set expectations. Set expectations. The way you set expectations is, first of all, you clearly explain the values and the code of conduct to all your employees. Make it very clear. You clearly explain the values. This is who we are, and this is what we stand for. This is what civility means in our company. Second of all is post the values. Post those values. Now, oftentimes in companies, they may put, you know, this is kind of our core values, or this is who we are. This is how we treat customers on there. Uh, Coach John Wood. Now, somebody here probably knows. Do you remember what he was famous for? It was called what? The pyramid? Somebody said it. Pyramid of success. Pyramid of success. And he had this huge thing, pyramid of success, and he had 25 characteristics. And that's what it, you needed to be if you're going to be a part of the team. He had things like friendship, self-control, cooperation, team spirit, poise. 
every year he would hand out this pyramid of success to all his ball players. And he says, you read this, you learn this. He had it posted in his office, and he says, everybody knows what our values are. So he constantly reinforced it over and over, okay? Number two, sculpt civility. Sculpt civility. So it's like you help and shape it there in your company. And the way you do this is, first of all, you reinforce the values. You make it second nature. Reinforce the values, make it second nature. You talk about it so much that everyone just feels like it's second nature. This is how we are supposed to act. You challenge employees to master those civility fundamentals. This is how we treat people. This is how we treat each other. You just keep reinforcing it. B, create a workshop module on what workplace civility looks like. Now, she put this in her book, and I began to look over it, and she made a comment. You may talk about civility, and some people say, I don't understand. Specifically, what do you mean? How are we supposed to be civil in the workplace? What does that mean? You may have people coming to work for you that have never worked before. They've gone to college, and they've done maybe some part-time work and things, and all of a sudden maybe gotten a graduate degree, and all of a sudden they're stepping into the business world, and they're coming to work for you for the first time and they're not really certain what's it supposed to work look like over here, okay? And so what you do is you create a module and say, this is what civility is. And she gave all kind of illustrations. I think my favorite was there was a hospital in Los Angeles where they asked the temperamental doctors. They required them to attend what they called charm school. <laughs> and, and it was to decrease their brashness and reduce the potential for lawsuits. Studies have shown that people will, um, will sue doctors more when they're very brash and short with them than if they're friendly, outgoing, and kind. And so they teach these doctors that they have to set this tone also for their medical residents. And so when people are coming up, you're the ones that set the tone. So we're going to teach you how to do this. So you've got to do the training. And, and uh, last of all is leaders live the values. Leaders live the values. You can't just put something on a piece of paper and say, well, everybody followed that. You've got to live out the values. And I, I couldn't help but smile because in this book, they use the illustration of Chick-fil-A on 280 in Birmingham during the Snowmageddon. And if you remember that, the Snowmageddon, uh, don't mention it to James Spann, he doesn't like it. Uh, the Snowmageddon, he, 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 I've, I've loved it when I've heard him speak, he says it still haunts him. Uh, that in January of 2014, when everything shut down, and there on 280, Mark Meadows, who's the owner-operator of Chick-fil-A, saw that people were just stuck in traffic, and it was during the middle of the day. And so they took sandwiches out there and gave it to people free. They gave over 300 chicken sandwiches away to motorists that were stranded there. But it didn't stop there. Uh, what he did was he ended up spending the night in his store. He had workers, employees who had gone home, found their way back, came back into the store, and they began to get ready for in the morning. And a number of them spent the night in the store. Then there were some people that uh, everybody was trying to go to the Fairfield Inn. They were full. So then they would say, where will people go? He opened up his doors and even had some people stay as a shelter in Chick-fil-A. Then that next morning, they gave out over 1,000 chicken biscuits uh, to people, giving it to people who are stuck, trying to travel to get around. And when he was interviewed, he said, this company is based on taking care of people and loving people before you're worried about money or profit. 
This company is based on taking care of people and loving people before you're worried about money or profit. Now, Mark Meadows is a leader who lived out his values. Now, anybody that worked for Chick-fil-A on 280, they would never question what the values are of that company because they've seen their leader live it out on there. And so you live the values. You set the standard for it, okay? Number three, if you recruit well, then you coach them, then you score. Now, what score means to reward civility. If this is something that's so important, you need to reward it. You know, anytime you want people to do stuff, it's best to put a reward with it. And so number one is this, focus more on the how of work and not just the actual results. Focus more on the how of work and not just actual results. Oftentimes, all we do is reward the results. I was in sales for eight and a half years. I fully understand that. And I know what it was that you got to the end of the year and it looked at, uh, you know, how many dimensions, how many horizons did you sell, how many data units did you sell, what was the revenue that came in. All of that, I understand that. But he says you should also be able to focus on the how that the work got done. Think about the type of work that gets done and the way that kindness and respect can come into play. So when you are doing evaluations with people, it's not just the bottom line result, it's how did you do your work? And so use that and come up with some kind of evaluation metrics that you can evaluate and you can compensate for people that carry out the core values on there. And um, you know, I've, I've always, uh, I've used the illustration a lot of times. There's maybe a guy that y'all know, his name is, is Larry Bird, not the basketball player, but the guy who worked at AT&T, worked at A&T uh, with me. And um, uh, when we were sales managers, we had a Christian boss by the name of Cleve Watley, and then there was uh, uh, three of us that were sales managers, two of us were believers, and Larry was sitting right next to me, and, and my group that year, took off. I mean, it's you know the way sales are. They hit at certain times. Everything comes in a funnel, and then they fall through it, and sometimes you get them quicker than others. And our group was really hitting home runs, and his was, was struggling. I mean, they had some great offer. I mean, uh, proposals out there. just hadn't had people pull the pin. And he came by my office after about three or four months, and he says, I just want to apologize to you. I said, for what? And he said, um, I've just kind of harbored some uh, anger over your group as to what y'all have done while we have struggled, and that just wasn't right in my heart. And so I'm just coming to you to confess that and just tell you I'm praying for you, and I wish you'd you know, forgive me for that. Oh, my gosh. I, just, I sat there and thought about that. I said, man, I, I can't believe I said, well, Larry, man, I, I, I appreciate that. I said, I'll be praying for you, and I know the hard work that you guys are doing. And then sure enough, you know, after a while, his sales started coming through. We both ended the year over 100%. But you know what he did? He was a guy who understood the values that Cleve Watley had set for us, and that is teamwork, and that we're together on this, okay? And that uh, if one group's a little bit higher than the other, hey, we st- we'll help them, do whatever it takes on that. And had a guy come by my office and did something I would have never thought about doing, and when he did that, it just, again, confirmed, this is the values, this is the team, this is what we've built over here, and that has always stayed with me. So um, focus on the how of work on there. Number two is this, thank the often invisible helpers. The often invisible helpers. Those are the people that are behind the scenes that are doing so much of the work and rarely do they get recognized? Now, there was a study done. His man's name is Ning Lee of the University of Iowa, and he shared how a single extra miler, the guy or gal who helps colleagues beyond what his or her role requires, 
can drive performance more than all the other teammates combined. Now, just stop for a moment. I read that over and over. You take a whole team of people, and you take this one person who's an extra miler behind the scenes who does things to help other people so they can be successful, and he says in his research, what they did was even stronger than all the others combined. So you need to give them a thank you. The often invisible helpers. I think over the last few years, it seems like in basketball, finally they are recognizing the guys who lead in assist. It used to be you always looked at the scores, but I love to watch the point guards and the ones that are the ones making the assist. And if you notice that in basketball games when a guy's going down on a fast break and the guy hits him with an incredible pass and he goes and lays it up, what's one of the first things that the guy does when he makes the basket? He looks over to that guy that made the pass and he and he points to him on there. I just love that. Because to me, the beauty of the past is, is so much prettier than just a guy making a layup. It's how in the world did you thread the needle on that and see that guy and be unselfish and do that. It's the assist maker in basketball. I love this paragraph that she put in there and for all you golfers. It says, how many of us thank the people who serve us? Do we thank the caddies in our lives? Think about this. Think about, do you thank the caddies in our lives? The people behind the scenes who scout the conditions, they lay the groundwork for our success, who carry our bags, and who support us when we fail. Do we highlight the contributions of everyone on our team? Do we thank the people who make us smile? It's those often invisible helpers. And so when you're scoring, try to do some way within the evaluation metrics to see how a person works and be able to reward them on that. Number three is this, measure down and across and not just up. When you're coming up with how you're going to evaluate people, you measure down and across and not just up. Now, what that means is a lot of time you're evaluating about how they relate to their boss. Well, why don't you find out how do they relate to those under them and relate to those across? <laughs> and this is my favorite statement in the whole chapter. When it comes to incivility, people tend to kiss up and kick down. All right? <laughs> that should have been in the outline. You need to write that one down. When it comes to incivility, Incivility, rude, disrespectful. People always kissing up to the people above them, and they're kicking down on the ones around them. So what you need to understand is when you get some evaluation, that's why 360 feedbacks are good, to where you get peer assessments. I tell you, the people that know the employee best are the people that work alongside of them and also the people that support them, that are beneath them. Because they're the ones that get the brunt of their incivility, or they're the ones that capture all that. When the boss comes in, everybody's happy, you know? Uh, rarely even here. When I walk in someone's office, nobody's going to be sitting there being a whiny party. Everyone says, things are great. I'm loving it. Life is good. And, and then, but everyone else may come to me and say, that's the most negative person in the world. How can that be? They're always positive. You're the boss. I say, oh, yeah, that's true. So when you're trying to figure out who is this person like, how am I supposed to uh, compensate them? Kind of do one of those 360 feedbacks and find out from those others on there. People tend to kiss up and kick down. All right. Uh, and last of all is practice. You recruit, you coach, uh, and after you, you coach them, then you reward them, and then this is practice. If an employee is acting uncivil in your organization, you have two options. Number one, you work with them, okay? 
I think that they're worth saving, so I'm going to work with you. can't let it linger. I'm going to work with them. How do you work with someone that's uncivil? Number one, first thing is you identify triggers. What is it that triggers that bad behavior? You know, you, you would have fired them if they weren't a good employee, but apparently they were a good employee, but something triggers them to act rude or disrespectful to others. So what is it? What people or circumstances provoke them? Then number two, you specify consequences. This is really important. It's important to show offenders what they stand to lose if they don't improve. That's when you talk to someone and say, you know, this rudeness, this disrespect, um, if you continue this, you'll never get that promotion. Sometimes that's pretty motivating. Or you can say, if you continue this, we got to let you go. Let them know there's consequences. Now, do you want to stay with this organization? Yes, I really do. Then let's work together on this. You're a keeper. I want to keep you. But I can't have that incivility, that attitude. It's going to poison the whole group. we got to deal with this. I want to work with you on this. Number three she put down here is apologize to those offended. So when you've got someone that's being rude and disrespectful and they said, hey, I'm ready to, to try to turn this ship around, then they need to walk over to the people that they have offended and they need to apologize to them and say, hey, I just got to tell you, I was out of line and, and I'm sorry about that. And then that ties into number four, and that is shared development objectives with key stakeholders. What that means is you say these are the things you're going to do to try to develop, to, to get better civility, and your key stakeholders, key stakeholders could be the people that you work with. It's the people that you've offended. And so if I'm over here and if I've offended you and there were some things I did that were rude and disruptive or whatever, I would apologize to you, and then I'd say, you know what, I'm really trying to work on this. And I want to tell you about three things that I'm trying to do. And it's almost like you hold me accountable. And uh, every month, we'll just get together and say, hey, how am I doing? Or at the same time, if you see me kind of tipping over the edge, <laughs> that's when you can sort of put your arm around me and say, whoa, big fella. Uh, remember what we talked about on that? You say, okay, all right. And, and then all of a sudden, now I'm, I've got some plans as to how to make this better. And I'm trying to be a better employee. And so it should be a win-win. Because the company gets to keep a good employee, and the good employee uh, gets to continue to uh, hopefully bring results to the company, but he's not a virus that's contaminating it. We say, well, what happens if they don't? Then that's the last thing, and that's this. You show them the door with civility, okay? <laughs> you show them the door with civility. In this book, she talks more and more about you have to stand tough on this because this is a virus that can infiltrate your entire organization. She shares this, leaders and managers love to make excuses for why they shouldn't deal strictly with an uncivil person. They say he doesn't really mean any harm. It's easier to keep him than to find a replacement. We can't afford to lose her. But do yourself and your organization a favor and lose the excuses. Get real about the uncivil conduct and stay tough. You need to for the sake of your organization. They shared a story decades ago at Notre Dame University. There was a Jewish student there, and this Jewish student ended up leaving the school because those that were in the dorm area with him were harassing him so much, and they repeatedly hazed him. The president called in the perpetrators of that, and he said, uh, for you guys, this is what I'm going to tell you to do. I want you to pack your bags. I want you to pack your bags. I want you to go find your friend. And I want you to try to talk him into coming back to school. 
and either he comes back to school or you leave the school. It's pretty tough. But, you know, we need to be the same way in our organizations on there. There's no need for people to be uncivil. And uh, we need to take the initiative on that and say, hey, we want to head in the right direction. We want to be kind and respectful to each other. And when you do that, your organization is a fun place to live. And people are going to enjoy it and people are going to desire to come and work with you. All in all, you know, if you just sit there and, and took as, as, a, as maybe a, an end of year assignment or something you want to do in this next year is take the book of Proverbs in the Bible. It's the most incredible book that talks about really how we should treat others and leadership principles all throughout it. And if you continue to read through that, you're going to see that all this wisdom in the Bible says this is how we should be and this is how we treat others. And it not only makes it for a good organization, but it makes it for great in our relationships to where we're better to our spouses and better to our kids and then just better to our friends. And we move in that direction. So that's where we want to go. Now, just going to tell you that next month uh, what we're hoping to do is uh, I'm probably going to give you a talk about something that uh, Jeremy Grime and I did this weekend that we just completed. I don't know if we've got that picture or not. We finished the New York Marathon. So we ran the New York Marathon and finished that thing up. Uh, on uh, uh, on Sunday, and it's an amazing event, and so I'm putting together this talk in my head of, uh, of how to pull off the largest ever, because there were over 50,000 runners uh, that were there at this, and some incredible business principles that come out of that. So I hope you come back. It'll be the first Tuesday in December, and we hope to have you back. Okay? Thank you all very much. Y'all have a great day.